When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're live, it is Chris. now, and we are here. It was a little bit laggy on my end, but we're good now, Joe. Thank you very much. And this is the Fight IQ podcast. We have a couple of um, special uh, things on this very unspectacular, unspecial card. But first, I want to say our first special thing. It's Uncle Wheezy coming back, uh, joining us, gracing us with his presence. Sean is unfortunately not feeling too well. Um, the ravages of COVID. He should be okay. But he's uh, taking taking a sick day, and uh, Weezy has been kind enough to fill in uh, once again, friend of the show. And uh, then we have Joe, who is joining us for breakfast. He is actually in Sydney going to this card. Um, it's good to be in Sydney, probably a good trip, but, uh, you know, probably could have used a better card maybe. But I'll just go right into it and say, guys, uh, what do you actually think about this card? Uh, no holding back because you're on your trip. And Joe, we'll start with you. First of all, thanks to uh, DraftKings for the hookup, man. They really came through. Um, secondly, uh, Sean, our, our good friend, this DFS sniper, has got the world's worst immune system. So I don't know what he needs to do, Weezy. We, you and I may need to come up with some like remedies. Like, you know, like we'll do some like Chicago East Coast remedies that, you know, we could put Sean on some type of vitamin regime because. Man, if there is something going around, he catches it. Man, that guy has been unfortunately ill more times this year than anyone I know. So we got to get him going. Um, yeah, this is honestly a pretty weak card. I mean, um, you know, as uh, the UFC tends to do, and I don't know why that the UK cards tend to be so good and these Australian cards tend to be so bad. And as you can imagine, the card is top loaded with, with Aussie fighters, which is fine, but you know, there's just not a lot of great matchups. I mean, I'm kind of looking forward to Vokov to Avasa um, and God, I would love it if Strickland could just knock Izzy on his ass. I don't think it's going to happen. I think Izzy is far too good for Strickland, but like other than that, I mean, there's not a lot I can really get excited about here. Um, you know, I just wish they would, make better matchups for these, you know, overseas cards. I mean, there's 21,000 people that are going to be going to this. You think the UFC could do a better job matchmaking. Yeah. I mean, you, you would think because they try to get in all these markets, like, oh, we gotta, you gotta get this market. We gotta get this market. And then they come into these places and these cards are just so underwhelming. I don't know. Well, anyway, as I said, uh, we- Weezy is here as well. The man who is always looking to do some ass shaving, and he will look to do some this week, <laughs> undoubtedly. Weezy, what do you think about uh, this card here? Yeah, it's uh, it's all right. You know, I mean, we understand that when they go to Australia, they're going to feature a lot of Australian fighters, but they just kind of missed out on a couple, right? Kai Kara France was supposed to be fighting Manel Cop here. That's a that's a big gaping hole that's in the middle of this pay per view card that got taken away. And then also, it was supposed to be um, Casey O'Neill was supposed to be fighting Viviani Araujo. So that's another you know high level 
a local fighter that that probably would have been on the pay-per-view card there, a, a fairly high-level women's flyweight fight. So, you know, and whenever now, whenever fights like that drop out, now you're making calls to people who are like, if they're UFC veterans, they're not taking short notice fights in Australia. You'd have to be yeah. a complete moron to get on a plane the week of a fight and go fly, you know, fly 14 time zones away from where you live and then fight in front of a hostile crowd. I mean, it's just so this is what happens. But I still think that there are some fun fights. Like, I can't wait for Tyson Pedro versus uh Anton Turcali. Like I could see like a, a banana peel getting thrown into the cage and somebody slipping on it <laughs> and it just being like a meme fight. Uh, it, it's going to be a really fun one. Yeah. And then some of these ones on, on the um, undercard are interesting. You know, young versus Miranda is interesting. Um, Blood diamond versus Chuck Buffalo is kind of interesting. You know, like malarkey being kind of a big favorite against anybody in the UFC is, is, interesting and john mac uh-huh. i think is probably just as good of a fighter as jamie malarkey but there's a wide line there yeah so i'm looking yeah. forward to breaking down this card with you guys yeah absolutely you hit some of the ones that i want to talk about as well but before we get ahead of ourselves let's just say that uh if you want to uh try rotowire for 10 de- 10 days free go to www.rotowire.com free 10 days free trial no credit card required. Okay, and with that, we're going to jump right in. A uh, couple of debutants to um, jerk open the curtain. It is, uh, let's see what we got here. That's right, Kiefer Crosby at 7,800. The favorite in this matchup is Kevin Gisette at 8,400. Line on this fight. Gisette coming in at minus 160. Kiefer Crosby at plus 130. And, you know, when you have these guys, these lower-level regional guys, I always I like to go by uh, attributes. And to me, Crosby has the more athleticism. Crosby is maybe the more agile guy. He's maybe the better pressure fighter. Um, sets longer, maybe has a little bit more power. Uh, I think he could have some of that tall man defense going on as well. And as I say, I just kind of like the movement and the speed uh, of Crosby a little better. So I'm going Kiefer Crosby here. I think, you know, whenever you have a matchup like this, as I say, low-level MMA, um, I'll tend towards the dog unless the favorite looks really interesting to me. And then I'll save my money and I'll go elsewhere. But that's just the way I'm looking at this uh, first fight up. We will start with our guest of honor. So, uh, Weez, what do you think about this one? Yeah, I watched the tape on these guys. You know, Crosby's all right. You know, he, he's fought in some reputable organizations and uh, gotten some good results, gotten some good-looking knockouts. You know, he's fighting in Bellator, um, several fights in Bellator, some in Bama. Um, so, yeah, he's been around, but, yeah, like he's losing to Karahanian to Charlie Leary. Uh, to Mike Jackson, not that Mike Jackson, a different Mike Jackson, but um, and then the wins, you know, are against their low level wins. You know, the Alex Oliveira looked drunk in the cage against he this did, team. yeah, it was he it was, was throwing punches was and, and missing by so much that he was falling flat on his face. It was a real embarrassing performance. So I'm not sure what to take from that. And then I watched the tape on Jusette. Holy shit, there's like an hour, hour and a half of my life I'll never get back. Um, <laughs> My God, man. 
like his fights are like watching paint dry. I mean, to think it, it just shows you where the UFC is at this point, where they're just kind of like making fights just to get another fight on the card. There's no thought as to like, oh, is this guy exciting or not? Does this guy have any kind of a following? His fights against Priscus Foganolo, and then there's another one that he lost by split decision against Caleb Rideout are like affronts to MMA. They're, they're dog shit fights. So Giuseppe, uh, in my opinion, is a horrible bet at minus 155. This guy is incredibly low volume. He doesn't do anything. And if you lay that kind of juice on a fighter that really has that low of an output, you're gonna be you're gonna be putting your fist through the wall. So I would much rather go with Crosby. I could see him just kind of showing no respect to Jusette, getting right inside and clobbering this dude. And it looked like Jusette quit against Jack Della Maddalena. It like looked like he asked for a doctor to come into the ring in between the second and third round. He said something to the doctor. The doctor barely looked at his face and she waved the fight off. And it looked like he wanted out of there. He looked fine, but you know, I mean, I wasn't the one getting punched in the face, so maybe he really was badly hurt. And it's Jack Della Maddalena at the end of the day, but yeah, I, I did not see much from this guy Jusset to that would make me think I would ever lay juice on him. So yeah, man, I think Crosby at plus money, Crosby for a sneaky low owned underdog uh, DraftKings play, the way to go for this fight. Yeah, I agree, and uh, you know. You can say, and I think you said it well with that Oliveira fight, but at least we know he's not afraid to get into a war. He can mix it up in there, and he's not afraid to pressure. And to me, that's really enough in a fight like this against a guy like this. So I'm going uh, Crosby as well. Joe, how are you seeing this one? Well, I am certainly happy that Wheezy and Chris took the bullet and did actual tape analysis on this fight. <laughs> um, uh I I would tend to see this as a pick'em, and um, without any of the technical expertise that you guys imparted, I am looking at this as purely a play on fighter camps. I'm looking at city kickboxing for Juset against uh, you know SGP Ireland for uh, Crosby, and I'm going to go with the better camp, um, which is city kickboxing. And for that reason, and that reason alone, which is certainly did we give the DraftKings salaries, Chris? We did, and I don't want to start this again, Joe, but yes, yes, we did. That was the first thing I did. Yeah, so so again, I, I don't like this fight. Um, I wouldn't play it a lot on DraftKings. I don't I don't I would not dissuade you from taking a shot with with Crosby for DraftKings, but I am gonna pick again purely based on camps, um, city kickboxing. I'm gonna go with Jusette for that reason alone. So if I knew that um Crosby with us, SBG Ireland, I might have a different pick. I might have to reconsider now. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> all right, I, I guess I'll stay with it. As long yeah. as long as uh, as long as you know who isn't in the corner, then I'll feel a lot better about it. Yep. But uh, <laughs> all right, uh, on to the next fight here. It is um, Shane Young, although I don't think his nickname is Sugar anymore. It is Shane Young at 8,600 taking on Gabriel Miranda at 7,600. Line on this fight. Shane Young could be had at minus 135. Gabriel Miranda at plus 114. And, you know, Shane Young is kind of one of my best examples of, like, a busted hype. When he first came into the UFC, I mean, okay, he had to debut against 
Volkanovski, nobody expected him to win that. Okay. But then his next couple of fights, really aggressive, really high volume, just a, like a ferocious little pocket boxer who was always – and then he got knocked out once by um, – Oh, the German, the German fighter. What is his name? Ludwig Klein. He got knocked mm-hmm. out by Ludwig Klein, and it seemed like since then he's just lost his mojo. Way more tentative. Uh, way less. He still throws in combinations a little bit, but way more of a counter fighter. And I just think Gabriel Miranda is very aggressive. You know, very uh, not into defense, but I think that can help him here. I just think he can overwhelm Shane Young. Uh, he wrestles as well. I think he can put everything together. And uh, he's not going to stop. He's going to put a pace on him. And uh, for that alone, I, I really like it. I don't think I, I don't think he can trust Shane Young anymore. I just don't see what he does well. I don't see really what he brings to the cage. Uh, one of those Australian fighters, uh, right on this card. But you know, I, I don't really give much credence to the hometown advantage here. I'm going to have to go with Gabriel, Gabriel Miranda, and uh, we'll go with uh, Joe to start for this one. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, so Shane Young is a testament to actually how good the food is out here in Australia. He completely blew weight by like four and a half pounds. Is giving oh, 30%, that's right. Yes. Is, is giving 30% of his purse to Miranda. Um, let me tell you, the food is, in all seriousness, very good out here, with the exception of Vegemite, as Nan kind of pointed out. Um the best way that I could describe Vegemite is using a highly quotable line from my my favorite um, you know movie Anchorman, Ron Burgundy. Um, Vegemite is like a baby's diaper full of Indian food, um, and maybe then you only got it half half as bad. It is it is vile. But other than that, um, yes, I I do see kind of Shane Young as a busted prospect. I remember when he took on Volkanovski. I think that might have even been short notice. You know, even Volkanovski is like, hey, man, you know, you did really good here. I think that fight actually, did it go to decision? I can't recall. Um, it did, I he, think, yes. Yeah, but he's definitely a busted prospect. And I, um, I, you know, and we need some value. You, now, we did not get DraftKings salaries for this fight. I know we didn't. Um, so you uh, want to give the DraftKings uh, salaries, Chris? <laughs> I, I, you know what? I, I'll take your word for it. But it's 8,600 yeah. Shane Young, 7,600 uh, Gabriel Moran. Okay. Yeah, so we we need we need to find some value on this slate, like just to build some lineups here. Um, and I will tell you that I really was only able to do one lineup for DraftKings because it DraftKings pulled out of Australia. So the only lineup I was able to do was uh, able to to jam one in before I actually left, right? And I I didn't love this card, so I didn't even reserve a lot of contests. So um, I do have Miranda in my lineup. Um, <laughs> sniper got better looking. Um, uh, speaking of that, I mean, the, the one disappointment that I had is at the, um, at the weigh-ins, there was an incredibly long line to get a selfie with, uh, with Nina drama. I don't know if you guys know who Nina drama is. She's the, she's the, like the girl, the, the one that the UF former model, um, she does the strict Strickland interviews on, on Twitter and the UFC actually hired her. She is like uber hot. And she, she does like all these videos, like she does a fitness update, which is absolutely hilarious, but like she's uber hot, like Nina drama. Um, and the line to just get a selfie with her was, was just incredible. So I, I hope, hopefully I'll see her um, when I go, when I go out there tomorrow for the fights, because I do get like some type of VIP 
you know, photo op with fighters and stuff. So I'm, I'm, I want to get a, a photo with Nina drama, but you guys got to follow her. She's hilarious. And her Sean Strickland interviews are off the cuff. Good. So anyway, Miranda, 7.6 K we need value on this card. Um, I think this is as good a spot as any, so I'll take Miranda. All right. And, uh, we, how do you see this fight here? Yeah, I think Miranda's a great DraftKings play this week. The guy's got a 100% finish rate in 16 pro wins, 15 of them by submission, one of them by knockout, all but two of them come in the very first round. So this is a high upside guy. And then you put on top of that, that the line has moved significantly after Young looked horrible on the scale. We haven't seen Young miss weight since the Volkanovsky fight. And I think Young was the short notice replacement for that fight, right? So. If that's the case, you're talking about a veteran here in Shane Young, almost 20 fights in his career, missing weight for the second time, but for the first time that we know of with a full camp. That usually is a huge red flag, usually points to some kind of an injury that didn't allow you to be able to put in the road work, do the cardio necessary to take off the rest of that weight um, when you got close to fight time. So uh, he could be sick. He could be injured. There could be something going on with Shane. And if that's the case, a guy like Miranda is just relentless early with the grappling pressure. And not just that, a lot of these grapplers, they can be so much more aggressive when they strike because they don't care if you take them down. You look at a guy like Miranda, this guy's got so many submissions from his back, guillotine chokes, triangle chokes, heel hooks. Um, all kinds of shit this guy's um, getting off of his back. Arm bars. I think he's got like four arm bars. So he doesn't care if you take him down. He's going to be coming in with big kicks, flying knees, one-twos down the middle. He's going to be pressuring. So if Shane Young isn't 100%, I think Miranda might crack him in the first or second round. So you're looking at a guy who you're not only getting some line value on with DraftKings, but you're also getting... um a big time finishing upside in this spot. And if you get that from a guy at uh, what 7,600, that's going to really help this week. So I got him in my cash lineup and I also have a bet on Gabriel Miranda plus 700 to win by first round submission. Yeah. 13 of this guy's 16 wins are by first round submission. So like you look at that, that's over 75% of this guy's win condition is first round submission. And you're getting them at plus 700 instead of plus, you know, 115 on money line. So it's a nice fat line to go check out on FanDuel Sportsbook. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's a great tip there. Uh, I'll take a little early, but we'll take it because uh, we're always looking for it here. That's that's a really good one. Might have to might have to play that one myself. Uh, all right, next fight uh, going on. Uh, and I think Weezy alluded to, uh, to this. Uh, one, of the, one of the better nicknames, uh, right out of like a Western drama, it's Chuck Buffalo and Charles Radke at 9,100 taking on uh, Blood Diamond, uh, Mike Mathea at 7,100. The line on this fight, uh, where did it go on me? Hang on. And the DraftKings ben, salaries, please. I just did the DraftKings salaries, Joe. <laughs> I'm kidding. Joe. I'm, ki I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> I am kidding. I'm gonna lose it. All right, uh, here, we, here we go. Is it? It's uh, it's Charlie. There you go. So the so the line on this fight 
minus 325 plus 260. That was good. You you got me pretty bad. Uh, minus 325 plus 260. And um, this is pretty easy for me. Charlie Rackey can wrestle and grapple, so he wins. I pick him. Uh, I, I don't think there's too much more to say. Like Blood Diamond, even when you do see him get to use kickboxing, he gets tired in fights. He's gassed by round three. He's got, uh, what, three wins in his fresh MMA career. Like, this is pretty, this is silly. Charles Radke can grapple and pretty competently, from what I've seen, can flow in position. So he's the pick, and it's pretty easy. And at 9,100, he's going to be around anywhere because Blood Diamond fights generally don't go very long. So 9,100, I am all for uh, Mr. Chuck Buffalo. Uh, Joe, what do you think about this one? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm with you there. Um, coming off of it, he's got a two-fight losing streak. The only concern I have is, um, you know, Mr. Buffalo is an American fighter going to Australia. But other than that, I mean, look, I mean, what diamond is, you know, he's 35 years old. He's 35 years old. He's coming off of two losses. Um, you know, Jeremiah Wells is not a bad loss, although he did lose it in the first round due to a rear naked choke. And then a decision loss to uh, Orion Corsi. Um, that is a bad is, loss. Yeah, that this is it for him. Loss. I mean, this is really it for him. Um, you know, Racky, seven and three. I mean, you know, he's 33 years old, which, you know, what has he been doing his whole life? But he is coming off of, um, you know, four wins. Um, you know, his last his last win was by rear naked choke. Um, you know, so, yeah, I, I, I see him as the better fighter here. Um, he trains at MMA masters, which is not a bad camp. Um, you know, so I would, de I'm definitely going with Ratke here. I believe our good buddy, it's not a secret because he, he already put the pot out, but our good buddy, I think picked Ratke as his tournament play. Uh, our good buddy, Brett Apley picked him as his tournament play on his Mayo media network video. Um, so that's good enough for me. I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick Ratke here. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to. I mean, the obligatory thing of if Blood Diamond gets a knockout, uh, he's probably going to be low-owned because most people aren't looking for him. So scarcity there, et cetera, et cetera. But I agree that I think that's the play. Uh, Weez, you want to make this unanimous, or what do you think? Yeah, I do. You know, I, I could see why some people might take a shot on Blood Diamond. He is the hometown fighter. Chuck Buffalo making his UFC debut in Australia. That's a big deal, you guys. You know, you have to deal with adrenaline dumps, nerves. Now you're going to Australia. You're going to be fighting in front of a hostile crowd. The, the local city kickboxing guy is the guy that you're fighting here. He's looking for his first win. They're probably trying to get him his first win. And when you watch the tape on Chuck, he doesn't offensive wrestle that much. I saw some in the um, Justin Montalvo fight, and uh, he looked really good in the first round of that fight because of the wrestling. And I think if he wrestles here, he looks – you know, he looks really good. He probably even looks his his money line, you know, which is a wide money line. So, but, you know, he would look that good if he were able to to wrestle against this guy. And, and as far as I'm concerned, Blood Diamond is a fraud until until further notice, until he proves that he isn't. Because he kind of got ragged out by Orion Kosey, a guy who's been injured for his entire career and a guy who doesn't have the best cardio to go along with all that wrestling that he tries to do in the first place. So, yeah, I mean, I've got to go with Chuck Buffalo here. I think he gets the job done. I love CFFC as an organization. You get a, you get a belt in CFFC, 
you're legit ready for the UFC. Very tough competition, very high level regional scene competition there. So I'm looking forward to seeing this kid make his debut. And he's doing it against a very one-dimensional fighter in Blood Diamond. Yeah, I, I, a decent point here by Nan. Like, I don't think anybody's here saying Chuck Buffalo is a world beater, you know. So in that respect, sure. But, um, yeah, it's going to – as as Sean is so fond of saying, if this guy beats me, he, he ruins my night. And as Joe is so fond of saying, it'll be a pork chop that I'm going to eat. Okay, uh, n- the next fight up is uh, Nasrat Hakparaz at – 9,500 taking on Landon Quinones at 6,700. I remember that I that I put the drafting salaries in. You can't get me this time, Joe. Um, as for the uh, line here, we have Hak Parast. Where does this keep going on me? Hak Parast, a big favorite here at minus 500. Uh, Quinones can be had at plus 360. Uh, that line may be a little wide, but the general spirit is okay. Um, I think Kakparas is just going to, you know, piece Kinona's uh, up from, from range here. He is coming in with the slight uh, reach advantage. We've seen him struggle when he does not have that. Won't be a problem here. I don't think Kinona's is the kind of wrestler grappler who's going to, you know, really try to commit to something like that against Kakparas. And so I think probably just Kakparas picks him apart over three rounds. Um as far as DraftKings, I kind of see a decision here. So I don't love Hawk Press from that respect. And I don't really love the dog either. So this might be a pass for me more than anything else. But as far as the pick goes, you want to throw him in cash and like maybe get your 87, 88 points, whatever. Um, you can pick Hawk Press, but I'm probably going to stay off this one more, more so than not. So what do you think there, Weezy? Yeah, um, I, I would be fading Hack Parast in DraftKings. He's not a finisher, only one finish in six UFC wins. So, you know, you cannot pay 9500 for a guy that's scoring a little over three points per minute in a 15-point fight where he's getting a 30-point decision bonus, plain and simple. Also, yeah. I you know, this fight kind of reminds me of Jamie Malarkey when he fought uh, Muhammad Naimov. Malarkey was a minus 500 favorite. And I remember saying, I'm just betting Naimov here at plus 400 simply because Jamie Malarkey is not good enough at anything to be minus 500 versus anybody in the UFC, right? This is the same thing with Hakparast. This guy should not be minus 500. That's 83.33% implied. Let's just get that out of the way that there's very little room for error and then you throw into the fact that this guy doesn't finish fights. So now you got to worry about the, de- the the judges fucking up your decision yeah. here when you're yeah. laying that kind of juice, minus 500, on a guy in Hackparast who's largely a counterpuncher, who doesn't throw a lot of volume. He's very defensively responsible. He manages range well. He moves very well. He's got very good takedown defense. He does a lot of things really well that allows him to be able to win minutes but moments, not so much. So um, I think Canonis is a very interesting, potentially low-owned punt where you're just saying, hey, man, if I get three right. rounds out of this guy, he might give me 40 points. And if mostly um, favorites win, that kind of guy at 6,700 probably is optimal. Yeah, no, it, it's a good point. And uh, I, I like that idea of just, you know what, 
I, I, I can see doing that sometimes. Do that in tennis sometimes, or you just look at a line and you go, you know what? This person just should not be this big of a favorite. And so you bet based on that. You play based on that. Uh, can totally see it. Um, I will not be making that uh, move too much, only because I, I like too many people in the, in the 7,000 range, and I think I can make enough lineups. But, yeah, I don't I don't hate it at all for, uh, for 6,700, and uh, you see what you get. And now the next fight up, uh, speak of uh, 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 I didn't I didn't talk yet. Oh, sorry, Joe. That was your punishment for uh, yeah, drafting right, thing dude. earlier. Yeah. Uh, what uh, okay. what do you have for this one? Okay, so what's interesting, what's interesting to me here is that Hap Haparast is only 28 years old. Um, you know, and I, I don't know if it's too late to say busted prospect or if he was ever a prospect. This guy was was a seven to two favorite over Drew Dober um, in a fight that he lost. Um, he's definitely got the back class. Um, if you look at his fight line, man, there are so many canceled fights. Now, not all of them are his fault. Um, you know, some of his opponents uh, like to pull out, um, so to speak. Um, but he's got a lot of canceled fights. Um, I would think, and I don't know what you how you feel about this, Weezy. I would think that this is probably the softest fight that's he that he's had in quite some time for that reason and again I, i'm not a huge advocate of you know minus 400 but like he's been minus 500 before against far better competition um than than Kinones. i kind of view him as a contrarian play i don't think he's going to get a lot of ownership yeah. and i'm talking about for DraftKings. Yeah. i don't think he's going to get a lot of ownership um you know if you guys are playing rainmakers i would definitely throw him in uh, Rainmakers lineup. Um, we don't really talk a lot about Rainmakers on, on the show, but maybe we should in the future. Um, but like, I think he's a great contrarian play, and I really do think that this is a soft spot for him. <coughs> and at 28 years old, okay, now it's time, as my dear departed dad would say, you know, shit or get off the pot. Like, if you're going to make a run, you need to fight a solid three times in a year, and you need to destroy this guy like you're not going to do you're not going to be doing yourself any favors with the UFC by taking this guy to decision right irrespective of what he's going to score on DraftKings you know a decision win here is not going to look good and it's not going to be the look you want and in all honesty you might as well just ask for your relief and you know release and go to PFL if that's if that's how you're going to fight so I'm going to pick Haparas I'm going to have him as a contrarian play on DraftKings because I think he's going to be low-owned because his salary is so high. And to your point, collectively, you know, his pedigree has been that he has not really been a finisher. Yeah, and, you know, in in the last fight against MacDessie for Hackpress, he got outlanded in that fight. Two out of three rounds, MacDessie's outlanding him. A dude at a six-inch reach disadvantage. A dude at a 12-year age disadvantage. Yep. is out there this close with a guy who's now minus 500 against another 28-year-old who's making his UFC debut, who people are sleeping on. This kid's pretty good, this Kinona. So I just think it's an interesting it's an interesting fight because the, these are the kind of lines where, you know, a lot of people are going to be – I mean, obviously a ton of people are on this hack per ass money line, or otherwise it wouldn't be minus 500. But this guy, Quinones, could play spoiler in, in my opinion. All right. Yeah. No, I like that. Uh, kind of two different ends of the spectrum. Both have merits, and uh, that's what you get on this show. It's like uh, CNN Crossfire. 
back in the day. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, all right. Next fight up. We've talked about both of these uh, gentlemen uh, previously. It is Jamie Malarkey at 8,900, taking on John McDessie at 7,300. Line on this one. Cannot find any of these lines today, folks. My apologies. Is uh, minus 270 for Jamie Malarkey. Come back on John McDessie, plus 220. And I feel like there's at least going to be um, a, a agreement between uh, two of us here because I actually really like McDessie in this spot. Um, I think when you give McDessie an opportunity to fight the fight that he likes, which is a guy who's just going to come forward without defense. We saw what he was able to do against Ignacio Bahamundes. That fight was not all that long ago. It was the same thing with, okay, well, it's an age difference and it's a much younger guy. And and Bahamundes was something of a prospect. He was the guy who can overwhelm you with volume, who can swarm you, who can really just make you quit. And McDessie carved him up, at least for the first two rounds. The third round got a bit closer, but McDessie carved him up for a while. And I think this can be something like that. We all know McDessie has really good takedown defense. Uh, Malarkey likes to mix that in. I don't think he's going to be able to do it here. And when Malarkey just tries to come at him and pressure him, we're going to see a lot of that slick John McDessie kickboxing that he's made a career out of. I think this is a really good spot for him. It's a deceptively good spot. Maybe one that he doesn't get uh, again in such a uh, a juicy uh, dog spot like this. So I have to I have to go McDessie partly because of what Weezy said and just. Why would Malarkey ever be that big of a favorite? But also because I actually like the matchup. So you put those two things together, and I have to pick John McDessie. Um, Joe, what do you think about this one? Yeah. Um, I, it hasn't been that long that, you know, Malarkey just let us down in a major way as a 9-2, a to two, a.k.a. minus 450 favorite. Um, you know, and at that time we were saying Malarkey minus 450. Um, his opponent was a short notice replacement in Namov, and you know he lost by by ground strikes in round two of that fight, and you know everybody was uber disappointed because I think he was the biggest favorite on the card. He let us all down for DraftKings. I'm sure he was a parlay buster, um, you know. So I think there's going to be a lot of negative bias on Malarkey here. I, I, with that said, I do think that this is a fight he can and should win. Um, you know, he is an Australian fighter. Um, you know, I, I'm going to give, I'm going to go back to the well here on, on Malarkey. I don't know if I like him as a DraftKings play. Maybe he's another, um, you know, contrarian play, but I'm going to take Malarkey here. Um, Medessi is getting old. I mean, you know, I think um, Malarkey will be able to get him down. Um, you know, again, McDessie, I, I like the guy. He's been in the UFC forever. But, um, you know, this is probably a free trip to Australia. Um, and, and, you know, at least getting some show money. Um, you know, I don't know how much more he's got left in the tank. Um, you know, Malarkey is still young. He's only 29. Um, this is a fight he really needs to... He really needs to win. He really needs to do something, win, and, you know, do something relatively spectacular. I mean, he should have all the advantages. Um, his reach is, what, 74 against 68. So he's got a six-inch reach advantage in this fight. Um, he's also got a, a four-inch height advantage 
Um, you know, hopefully those will serve him well. And I'm going to go back to the proverbial well on, on, you know, on malarkey here. Yeah. That's a bunch of malarkey too. Uh, All right. Uh, Wheezy, uh, what do you, what do you got for this one? So I had a bet on Muhammad Naimov the last time out against malarkey Smart. that cashed at like plus 395 or I think or something like that. It was it was a very wide line. Um and I've never been that high on Malarkey. I don't think he's that good. And a guy like Mac Desi, you know, you, you hear the same thing. I said the same shit when I bet Bahamondes over Mac Desi. Oh, he's old. He's at a reach disadvantage. Well, guess what? He's always been old. That dude when he was 22 was 47. Okay, you look at this guy's face, you know, I mean, he's always been the older guy, no matter what the age says, you know, he's one of these dudes got a full mustache when he's in seventh grade, you know, so (laughs) he's always been the older guy. He's always been the shorter guy. He's always been at a reach disadvantage in this division. He's a small dude, but man, he's really good at managing distance. You know, you look at the, the distance striking stats in the UFC for Mac Desi. Every single category he's better than malarkey better than him everywhere he lands more distance strikes per minute 5.88 to 4.88 he absorbs less he absorbs 4.29 while malarkey's absorbing 4.88 macdesi is more accurate at 50 percent at distance compared to 43 for malarkey he's more defensively responsible 57 percent distance striking defense is elite compared to 58 and a half for malarkey he's literally better everywhere except for the power numbers so this guy is going to get the fight that he wants john mcdessey has had 14 ufc fights 168 minutes in the cage 94 percent of his cage time spent at distance striking range 86 percent takedown defense for uh john mcdessey he's been controlled for less than four percent of his UFC cage time. And this is a pure kickboxer that's undersized. Believe me, if it were easy to wrestle John McDussey, dudes would be doing it and doing it successfully. He's had 14 UFC opponents. They've attempted 36 takedowns against him. They've only gotten five of them. And two of those five takedowns came in the last minute of the Nazrat Hackparast fight when he just decided to shoot after 14 minutes of kickboxing, caught him on his heels a couple of times. So, this this line is kind of hilarious to me. Once again, yeah, McDessie's flying to um he's flying all the way out there to fight the hometown guy, but I mean, I haven't seen anything impressive out of Jamie Malarkey for a very long time. I don't really rate the knockout win over Devontae Smith. We haven't heard anything from Devontae Smith since then. That dude was always injured and wasn't fighting more than once a year anyway. Uh I don't care, I don't give a shit about the knockout win over Kama Worthy. Kama Worthy just got knocked out by a hot shower two weeks ago. He's going to be out for six months because of that. So I think this is a gift line. I think I think uh, MacDessy by decision is interesting, but I almost just want to bet the money line because Malarkey's been knocked out in four of his six professional losses, and one of them against Brad Riddell, he got seven shades of shit beaten out of him. It just didn't get yeah, stopped. So this guy is not as durable as people think he is. He's not defensively responsible. And he's he's at a deficit in every single distance striking category that I curate here. So 
I think that there's a lot of value on John McDessie and he's training at fight ready, getting different looks with some really good coaches there. So very interesting one here. Very interesting one. And, and I got to say a lot, of, a lot of dogs that we're giving looks to here uh, could, could be a really interesting night, but I agree. Um, I think McDessie is, 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 I like him a lot, almost too much. Kind of scares me when I like a dog this much because it's like, well, if it was this easy, would he be the dog? But I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna stay with it, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna not listen to that little voice in my head that tells me I'm unlucky. There's no such thing as luck. There's no such thing as luck, and we're moving on. Okay, it's uh, Jack Jenkins, 8700, taking on Da Woon Jung at seven thousand. Wrong. It's Jack what? Jenkins, Chepe Mariscal. Jenkins is not big enough to take on Da Woon Jung. Oh, okay. I skipped. I skipped the line. I am sorry. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> it is Jack Jenkins, eighty-seven hundred, uh, fighting Chepe Mariscal at seventy-five hundred. I went up instead. I went up instead of down. Uh, line on this fight, shall I say, is uh, Jenkins at minus two hundred five, Mariscal at plus one seventy. And you know, it might be a lot more interesting if he was facing Dawoon Jung because uh, Chepe Mariscal. Don't rate him very highly at all. Picked him against Trevor Peak as part of my anyone but Trevor Peak campaign. Um, now that that's over and done with, I can't say too many good things about uh, Mariscal here. Like he was tough enough to hang in against the wild sh- uh, strikes of Ch- Trevor Peak. Can mix in his wrestling a little bit. Jack Jenkins is better in every single category, in every single way. The physically stronger man as well. Uh, I just like him a lot here. Another one of these favorites that's reasonably priced uh, and that I, that I like uh, quite a good deal. So uh, give me Jack Jenkins and a lot of them. And I think, Wheezy, you are first. This time. Yeah, Mariscal is a local product here in Chicago, Illinois, Southside, Cicero, Stand Up. Um, and Mariscal has fought an, uh, an absolute who's who of regional scene competition. This guy has really been through the ringer and has fought everybody. Let me list the names that Chepe Mariscal has shared the cage with in promotions outside of the UFC. Uh, Sean Soriano, Steve Garcia, Joe Anderson Brito, Yusuf Zalal, Pat Sabatini, Carl Deaton III, Bryce Mitchell, Gregor Gillespie, Frank Buenafuente was a stud. I mean, like, this guy has really fought everybody. And then in addition to that, you go to the the amateurs. This guy has uh, 11 amateur fights, and he was 11-0 as an amateur. So Chepe has been around, man. He's He's been there. He's done that. He's a black belt in judo. He's got good striking. He's got excellent conditioning, man. That Trevor Peak fight, he showed off stud high-level conditioning in that fight. That was an absolute war, up and down. Every punch that Trevor Peak was throwing at him was being thrown with really nasty intentions. It was his UFC debut. There were nerves. There was a live crowd. That was a nuts fight. But Mariscal looked really good for all three rounds, really good conditioning, good durability, took some big shots in that fight. So... I think that he's going to be live here. I think people don't understand how good of a resume this guy has had and how, and how that he's got about as difficult as a regional scene um, competition as I've ever seen any fighter have coming into the UFC. And I thought it was an impressive performance against Trevor Peak. And with Jenkins, 
I still feel like I need to find out more about him. Love his boxing. He's very technical. He's also got excellent conditioning. Great low leg kicks. Mixes in the wrestling in order to win minutes. Shows high fight IQ. He shows the ability to be able to, to, to find different paths depending on where his opponent's strengths and weaknesses are in order to find the easiest path to victory for that particular opponent. I love betting on guys like that. So this is an interesting fight. I, I feel like the line is where it should be. It's taking into account that uh, Jenkins is a little bit younger and a little more hyped. Jenkins is at home. Chepe Mariscal going all the way from Colorado to Australia for this. You can ask Joe. That is not an easy flight. It takes a minute to get acclimated. And if you need to pre- perform at a high level and fight for your life in a cage, you better make sure that you get out there early. So, um, yeah, I, I think that this is about where it's at. This is a fight that I have no action on, but uh, I think Chepe could be live as a dog. And I also think that we could see Jenkins cover that minus 200 price by just being the smarter fighter and the better minute winner here. Absolutely. Uh, Joe, uh, what do you see in this one? Okay, so Weezy stole some of my thunder. I mean, I think there's some narrative, um, you know, on both sides. You know, one, I just want to kind of quickly seize on a point that Weezy made about getting acclimated. Um, and it's important to note, like, how, how this works. Um, the lower to mid-tier fighters, and I mean that not by talent, but more by by how they're compensated, really can only get out here a week or so before like they don't have the money to actually come out here and i think the the ufc pays for about a week at a hotel um i may be wrong and if i'm wrong and and someone you know knows better than i do please you know like pop into chat but you know like so these guys and it is a um having been out here since you know monday monday tuesday it's a it's a 12 to 15 hour time difference depending on what part of the u.s you're coming from you know, and honestly, I, I made the classic mistake of arriving in the morning and then deciding to take a nap. And that just kind of messed me totally up. I should know better um, from all my you know trips to Thailand. But, um, you know, so it, it's really hard. Like the guys who have the money, like the Stricklands, like they could afford to be out here for a little longer. They could do some of their camp out here. Um, you know, the Mariscal is, is uh, as you mentioned, Colorado. He trains at L- L- Team Elevation which is a really good camp. Um, you know, to Weezy's point, he's fought in some pretty, pretty good promotions. I don't know, Weezy, if he was the LFA champion at, or at, at Featherweight or not. He may have been. Um, he also fought in Cage Warriors. Um, the biggest knock against Jenkins, and again, he has not lost since 2018, so he's on a five-year five, five winning streak, is he really hasn't fought anybody. You know, so I think this is actually a good test. For Jenkins, but I would tell you that you know, for DraftKings, I would certainly have a few shots. Take a few shots with Mariscal. I mean, you know, I think Jenkins is eight point seven. I forgot what Mariscal is. Uh, what seven point one, something like that, likely. Uh, you know, so I would definitely take a few shots with um, with Mariscal. But I am going to pick Jenkins for the win here. I think this is a good test for him. Physically, these guys are very similar height and reach. I think they're both five seven. They both have similar reaches. Um, so I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Jack Jenkins, but I would not at all be surprised. And I don't think it would be a huge upset if Mariscal not only was competitive, but actually somehow managed to win. So I, I, I see that point and it's 75, uh, Joe. And I did say the price, 
But um, I see the point, the way, the way I kind of look at it is, and maybe this isn't fair, you tell me. Um, the fact that you have to go to war with Trevor Peak is kind of an indictment on your ability to beat a guy like Jack Jenkins, in my view, in my view. I think I disagree Jack with Jenkins, that. I, I think you need okay. a gun to get Trevor Peak out of there. I, I think you well, would need to kill that man to make him quit in a fight, you know, and I thought I thought Mariscal really performed admirably because if you watch the pace of that fight, it was high paced for, for three full oh, rounds. For sure. And Peak for Peak sure. was wide open mouth, exhausted, and, and Mariscal was not. No, yeah, absolutely. No, I don't question the cardio uh whatsoever. Good cardio for sure. Just um, you know, uh I think 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 sure I think uh sure think Jenkins is in a good spot here. Um, but you know I, I I again I I take the point that um he showed toughness and he showed the ability to go through a war and he showed conditioning and all that stuff. Um, and and the resume that which you pointed out, which is as you say, something that we rarely if ever see, yeah. um, from somebody on the regional scene. So I, I take all those points. Um, and uh. Maybe it should be a better fight than I initially thought, but uh, still fairly heavy on Jenkins, but uh, definitely, definitely interesting. And now uh, we go to the fight where we, I thought we were at number six when we were at number seven. We are at number six now, and it is Carlos Olberg, 9,200, taking on Dawoon Jung at 7,000. Line on this fight is Carlos Olberg at minus 300. Da Woon Jung plus 240. And, um, you know, I'll be the first to admit, I didn't really uh, like Olberg. Took me a long time to come around to him, even when he was in the midst of this three-fight knockout streak that he's currently on, because I still didn't think that, you know, he was defensively responsible. I still had questions about his cardio. It wasn't even – even some of the wins uh, weren't that impressive. He – is much more attacking now, much more aggressive now. I like that about him. And my problem with Daoon Jung, he's a, he's a really good boxer, really good technical boxer. He can even wrestle a little bit when he wants to. We saw that anomalous performance, that eight-takedown a performance uh, two or three fights ago. So he can wrestle when he wants to. My problem here, and we saw this uh, in his knockout win against Kennedy and Juku, is he lets he, – he, his defense is his guard – way too often. He just puts his hands up and lets those shots bounce off his guard and come what may. And I don't think you can do that against somebody like Carlos Albert. I think he's too powerful. I think he's too fast. And um, I just think some of these shots are going to get through. I think that um, Olberg has shown he's the re- real deal and you just can't mess around with him in the cage anymore. Like you could maybe at one time. So I'm going Olberg here. And I think it's, Pretty likely that this happens by stoppage. I believe we are going with Joe this time. Joe, what do you got? Yeah, so um, that was an interesting fight against Kennedy because he was lighting Kennedy up in the first round and then death gassed um, in the second round. I mean, if you really want to, I mean, it, he, he gassed so badly, it should actually be like a case study in death gassing uh, after one round because it was that bad. Um I am just predisposed to not like liking fighters that good looking. Um, you know, he's, I believe, the Bachelor New Zealand. Like, literally, he is, like, on the Bachelor New Zealand. Um, I like fighters that need to win to get the hot looking girls. 
Um, and he's kind of already there, which makes me predisposed to not like him. With that said, um, you know, I think he's been on a really good run. Um, this is not a this is not an insurmountable opponent for him either. Um, you know, like they're not like it's not a huge leap up um in class here. I mean, you know, like Kennedy was probably his toughest fight, and he was looking really good at then in that fight until he until he kind of death gassed. So um look. Jung is not bad. I mean, you know, he, he has had a couple of bad fights. So I'm actually, I'm going to retract that statement. I think this maybe is a step up for him. I mean, you know, yeah, the two losses, the last two losses that, that, you know, Young had did not look so great, but um, Jung, sorry, did not look so great, but he's not a bad fighter. I mean, um, you know, he, I was, I think he was a favorite against Devin Clark. Was he not? Yeah, he was actually a five to two favorite against Devin Clark. Um, and then he just got lit up. He got knocked out by Dustin Jacoby as a favorite. Um, and you know, he beat Kennedy um in Jeku with elbows in the first round. Um, if you look three fights back. So I'm gonna retract that statement. I'm gonna say this is a step up in competition. Um, obviously, flying from Korea to uh Sydney is not as onerous um a flight as you know the Americans have. So I don't expect him to be that lagged. Um, I think I'm looking forward to a good fight here, but I'm still going to give it to Olberg. I, I still think he's the better pure boxer. And I don't think that, you know, Jung is going to, Jung is probably going to give him the type of fight that he, that he wants Olberg. You know, I, I like the fact also he's another city kickboxing guy. So he's got all his teammates there. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Olberg, but I will have a couple of shares of Jung and DraftKings simply for backlash and, and the fact that he's not going to have some of the same issues in acclimating as um, the others. And he's, he's a pretty tall guy. He's like six foot four with a 78.5 reach, um, you know, Jung is. So I'm going to go with Olberg. I want Olberg to win here. Um, but take have a few shares of, of Jung and DraftKings. All right, Joe. Good to see that your good-looking guy bias is not affecting your judgment on that one. Uh, Wheezy, what do you got for this fight? Yeah, the good-looking guy angle does nothing in this fight because Don Jung is very good-looking as well. I mean, let's just face it. The dude is a handsome man as well. So this is going to be one that the ladies are going to be watching, you know, with soaked panties. So, you know, I think that's what they're doing here. There's some good-looking dudes on this card, you know. So what? While we're the rest of us are going, we don't give a shit about this main card. Some of the ladies are tuning in to the Pleasure Man, you know, to Tyson Pedro, to That's to right. to Don Jung, to Carlos Alberg. There's some there's some eye candy for the ladies here. So ladies, stand up. Time to buy some pay per views. You know, let's get some money to the UFC. They don't have nearly enough, but I I agree yeah, with right, Joe. Yes. I, I agree with Joe that Don Jung is a sneaky little DraftKings play because what. Alberg does really well, obviously, is manage distance and kickbox. You know, that's his that's his base. He's not a wrestler. He's not a submission grappler. All of his wins that are finishes are by knockout. You know, this guy has only attempted two takedowns in the UFC. He's gotten both of them, but he has less than 6% control time for. His fight stays standing 93% of the time. Don Jung, his fight stays standing 55% of the time. So in my opinion... If Da Un Jung decides, you know what, I'm not going to play Carlos Alberg's game. I'm going to clinch up with this dude. I'm going to try to throw him around. 
I'm going to try to do something that I'm not necessarily known for doing. Don Jung's got nine takedowns, but eight of them came against William Knight, who's horrible. So how good of a, of a wrestler is Don Jung? Is it is it really in his um, skill set, in his toolbox to go out there and wrestle for 15 minutes? Probably not. But if he does, like if he goes out there and he clinches up with this dude, he wears on Alberg in the first, right? And doesn't allow Alberg to stay at distance striking range. That's a different type of conditioning, and it's a different type of fight, and we know that styles make fights. So I do think that there is a path for Don Jung to make this fight really dirty and really competitive to where he's going to look a lot better than what he looks on his money line right now. But still, Ulberg is such a good athlete. It's the big cage. Ulberg moves so well laterally, and because he's so good at using his distance and his kicks in order to be able to attack and everything comes long and straight, well, then it's going to be difficult for Don Jung to close the distance on this guy. And it's going to be difficult for him to find the entries on the takedowns that he needs. And if he gets too sloppy, he's going to walk onto something here. So I do have uh, Ulberg parlayed up with Manel Kopp, who we're going to talk about later on in the fight, uh, later on in the card. But uh, I think Ulberg gets the job done here. But if I'm doing 100 DraftKings lineups, I'm getting Don Jung in there for some price savings and some high upside potential because we don't know what Ulberg looks like in a grappling heavy match, do we? But we know that we've seen Don Jung thrive there a couple of times in the UFC. So I think that that there is a there is a path for Don Jung, but I still think I'm not overthinking this and I'm going with Carlos Ulberg to get the win and potentially get a knockout here. Right. Absolutely. And uh, I have to say, I, I, I agree with Weezy in another respect as well. I just went ahead and looked at uh, Dalvin Jung's picture on DraftKings. He is a very good looking man. So I have to say that as well. Um, all right, everybody. Uh, thank you for tuning in so far. Before we, we move on to the main card, pay-per-view card, we are going to take a quick break uh, for those in our audio only podcast listeners. All right, and we are back. I uh, hope you all had a nice break in that time. Maybe uh, went and got yourself a nice little glass of milk, settled in for the main card, because it is time for the Pleasure Man. I cannot say that name without laughing. Anton Turkalge at 8,200, taking on uh, Tyson Pedro at 8,000. The line on this fight is uh, Turkalj actually the smallest of favorites, minus 115, taking on Pedro, who can come back at minus 105. And um, listen, I said I said in my write-up of this fight, I think the fact that this line is even close speaks volume to how far Tyson Pedro has fallen as a prospect in the eyes of the betting community. Um, when he first came here, his grappling ability, his power, his agility – was looking like maybe would be a prospect in this division. Um, had to take those two years off. I believe it was two years. And uh, really just hasn't looked uh, the same in the cage of late. But um, Anton Tricolage is just sort of a mess. I mean, he, he's, a, he's a long fighter. He can grapple a little bit. He can sort of stay in there and do. But, the I mean, the one thing you saw in his fight with uh, – uh, who was it with uh, with uh, Petrino? The last fight, 
um, where he got five takedowns in that fight. And um, you think that, you know, a couple different times, like he had the back, he looked like he was in some really advantageous positions. I just don't see him as a fighter who has any control over what he's doing whatsoever. I don't see him. He's not the kind of fighter who can ride momentum to victory. He's, uh, he talked about minutes versus moments before. He yeah. is most certainly a moments fighter. If he's going to mm-hmm. get you, he's going to get you in a moment, and that's going to be it. Um, I don't see him sustaining any prolonged momentum, especially in this fight against Tyson Pedro, who, as I said, is a good grappler. I do like his low kicks. I think those will come in handy here too. Um, if if Tarkaz can just go so wild and expend so much energy, because the one thing you can say about him, even when he's tired, there are two kinds of guys who get who, fighters who get tired. One who get tired and they quit, and one who you can tell they're tired but they keep fighting. And I would say Tarkaz is in the second camp. So if he can do that, if he can just really pour on a pace, then he's got something going. But if we're just talking about skills. And what should happen based on skills, I got to go Tyson Pedro here. Just two better grappler. Uh, the light kicks, as I said. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know more agile specifically, but I would say like more controlled, at least in terms of footwork. And as I say, I think their college is just a mess. So I have to take I have to take Pedro here. Probably be a little heavy on this one. This is one of the interesting ones. You're always interesting in these 8,200, 8,000 scenarios especially in the heavier weight classes, especially in a fight like this, because they're probably going to score well and they're both reasonable. So uh, you probably should have one of them. Having said all that, Weezy, I'm going to kick it over to you first. How are you seeing this fight? Yeah, this is a must-own for DraftKings. You know, the, the Tyson Pedro has 13 professional fights and nine wins. All nine of his wins come in the very first round. Every fight that Tyson Pedro has been past the five-minute mark, He's lost that fight. And then on the other side, you got a guy in Turkali who's not very technical. The entries on his takedowns are shite. You know, everything that he throws is meant to try to take your head off. But he's got legendary durability and really good cardio. So it's two opposite archetype of fighters. When you watch Pedro win... He wins everything in the first round. He's a dynamic and explosive early. He's going to be the far more technical fighter. He'll be the more powerful striker on the feet. He'll be the far more dangerous submission grappler. But Turkali is the kind of guy who absorbs huge shots early, who gets put into bad spots early, who finds ways to survive. And then not unlike Homer Simpson in his boxing career, He just takes this beating until you're completely gassed, and then he finds a moment. He finds a moment, and he uses that moment to finish the fight, whether it's via submission or with big shots on the feet. And we saw it in the Petrino fight like three or four times. Turkali had him in really bad spots. But Vitor Petrino showed amazing conditioning and athleticism in that fight. Tyson Pedro does not have good conditioning. He's one round or bust, and he always has been. I mean, this guy's getting slept by the ghost of Mauricio Shogun Hua in round three. You know, I mean, that's how bad he is after the fight gets out of the first round. He's not, he's the complete opposite of Anton Turkali. Anton Turkali is a guy who could take a tremendous amount of damage early in a fight, but you'll never ruin his will and you'll never, he'll never quit on himself. 
And then he'll find that moment in the fight that turns the fight and ends it. Pedro will never find that moment late. If he doesn't find the moment early, he panics and he quits. So um, these are completely different archetype of fighters. But I could tell you this, right? Either Tyson Pedro is finishing this fight via submission in round number one, or he gets shown the door in round number two or round number three after he unloads onto, on the face of Anton Turcali until he can't fucking believe that that man is still standing there. And then he says, I can't do this for another eight minutes. And then he just finds the door. So I think either way, somebody's getting served here. Whoever wins this fight probably scores in the triple digits. And you're getting a triple digit winner out of a guy that's either 8,000 or 8,200. Um, I think it's a fascinating fight. I have a bet on Anton Turcali to win in round number three because I know Tyson Pedro's got quit in him. I know he's got quit in him. And it's so much easier to quit when you realize that no matter what you do, that idiot standing across from you just refuses to go down. He refuses to fuck off. And I, and that's what Turcali does. And mm. that style breaks Tyson Pedro. So I just, I, 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 I'm not very committal, you know, on who's going to win this fight. I just know it's going to be awesome. I know it's going to be back and forth. And I know somebody's going to get served. Yeah, well said. I, I mean, we like fights for different reasons, right? We like fights when there's a lot of stakes on the line, when it's two technicians. We want to see two guys with sparkling records. Or we like fights because we think they're going to be a big, dumb mess. And I think that yeah. this one yeah. is in the second uh, category there. Uh, Joe, uh, having said all that, what do you think about this one here? Well, I got a name and a location for you. The name is Modesto. And the location is Perth. Um, Tyson Pedro yeah. was a minus 230 favorite in that fight in his in his home country of Australia. On the undercard for, um, was it the main card? It might have been the main card for Volkanovsky Makachev. Um, that was just so highly disappointing. I mean, there's a small amount of line value, I believe, in in Pedro, right? Uh, Weezy, Pedro is, is, still, is still a favorite right now, a small favorite. Mm -hmm. um, what, minus 130, something something around those lines. So there is a small amount of line value on DK because he is the 8K fighter on DK, right? Um, the pleasure man, God, the pleasure man is 8.2K. Um, <laughs> I, I Look, I, I'm totally with you. I mean, um, I think the way to play this is if you're betting it, um, you know, you look at, uh, you look at a first round play on, um, a first round play on Pedro, and then just sprinkle in some round twos and threes, you know, live, if it gets past the first round, you know, sprinkle in some wagers on, um, on uh, the pleasure man. Um, I'm going to take Pedro here just because if this guy loses two fights in a row at home, like what, what's the point, yeah. right? What's the point? Um, I always said that Jake Matthews it was always going to be a, a, you know, a pack rim, like filler fighter, unless he gets a camp outside of his dad's garage. And he's looked a little better recently. Um, but like, he doesn't even train at a great camp, Pedro. I think he trains with his dad, um, like Jake Matthews does. Um, so like, I don't know what he was doing during his time off. Um, but if he does not win this fight in Australia, again, he may as well just kind of hang it up and you know, go back to teaching judo or whatever he does in his spare time because 
Um, the USC is, hasn't exactly been putting killers in front of him recently. So <laughs> got that right. You know, so let's uh, <laughs> let's go with Pedro. Let's take the small amount of of salary that we're going to get in the form of line value at 8K, you know, for a minus, um, you know, 130 fighter. I'll take it. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm taking it, though. I'm taking it with, like, my fingers crossed. Um, and I do say, I do recommend, too, if you're spreading – and I am not spreading. I am not mass entering. I already pre pretty much told everybody why. But if you are spreading, you should pretty you should have both sides of this fight. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, let's move on. And boy, I got to tell you, I, Weez, I understand what you said about uh, the fights that you're interested in. But man, when you're looking at it, this is a non-impressive main card for a pay-per-view. Um, ha having said that, uh, let's move on to the next fight. It is. Actually, a rematch. Let's say the the long-awaited rematch. Uh, Justin Taffa, uh, nine thousand, taking on Austin Lane at seven thousand. A line on this fight. Uh, Taffa can be had at minus two hundred five. Lane coming back at plus one seventy. And you know this fight was. They had the fight. Um, I don't remember how long ago exactly. Uh, first minute, eye poke happens. Uh, no contest. We have to run it back. I'm not sure if anybody particularly wanted to see this run back, but we have it now. So lucky us. Um, Austin Lane, of course, most fa most famous for getting knocked out by Greg Hardy on the Contender Series. Um, that said, I don't hate Austin Lane as kind of a low level middling heavyweight. He's kind. He's agile. Um, he's got some good footwork. He can put some strikes together. Not very good defensively. Um, you know, but Tafa, just the better kickboxer, but, you know, way more stationary, way more, you know, let the fight come to me. If, if the fight starts going downhill, then he can, then he can, uh, take it. But, uh, like we saw in, in, in the fight with, um, uh, I, I I hate looking up names during during the pod, but uh, this is this is a point I want to make. So uh, uh, Carlos Felipe, his fight with Carlos Felipe comes out, wins that first round handily, and then just kind of gives away the next two rounds, just sort of standing and watching. So you know, it's it's kind of hard uh, to what what you're gonna get with Justin Taffa, whose most impressive win to date is probably still. Uh, he's, I mean, he knocked out Parker Porter, so fair enough. But and then, uh, Juan Adams, you know, Harry Hunsucker, you know, these guys are very much not in the UFC anymore. So, um, I don't know. Maybe uh, when I wrote this up, I wrote it up as a, as a prize picks uh, play, just because I didn't want to have to deal with picking a winner. But the more I think about it, I think maybe I'm going Austin Lane here. Just slightly, um, just for the reasons I mentioned, and just because, like Toph has been dangerous, but against very hurtable competition, and Austin Lane, I guess he's hurtable too. But you know, I, I look, I look for uncommon skill sets a lot, and if you're agile as a heavyweight, that's an uncommon skill set. You know, I like that, especially in a, in a low level fight. I think, it, I think it can carry some. Uh, Weight, no pun intended, for the weight class here. So I'm going to take Austin Lane in sort of, uh, I don't know, low-level heavyweight kind of way. 
Um, Joe, what do you think uh, for this? Yeah, I'm on, I'm on Lane as well. I mean, um, he actually has some very distinct physical advantages in this fight. He's got a half a foot in height and a half a foot in reach on Tafa. Um, looking at his fight line, it's reminiscent of a fighter that is improving, maybe slightly. I mean, he's got that fourth round finish in Fury against uh, Juan Adams, where he won the Fury Heavyweight Championship. Um, looked decent in his contender series fight. Um, again, you know, he's definitely got size on on Taffa. Um, you know, I, I think, I don't know if Taffa came in at max weight or not. I know two of did. Um, he did. But he did. But, um, yeah. you know, I think he's in better shape. I think his cardio is, is better. Um I like I like his DraftKings price. I mean, on a card where we're we're really struggling to find underdogs that we could make a case for, you know, far be it for me to offer up a 35 year old heavyweight, um, you know, fighting out of uh, his uh, his country, out of his, you know, fighting across the world um, against a local. But like, I think this is as good a place as any to plant plant the flag. And I guess I'll plant a flag on on Austin Lane. I'm not super impressed with Tafel. Yeah, I will say that um, 35 is the heavyweight 25, so you're okay there. I mean, he's, he's pretty much a spring, a spring chicken, so yep. uh, no worries in that department. Okay, as we move on the card. Um, Wait, Weezy, Weezy's we'll, got to talk. Yeah, you know. Oh, I, I'm sorry, buddy. Yeah, yeah no problem. I'll go. I'll be quick though. Justin Taffa, I've got is the ass shaving of the week. I don't think Austin Lane is very good, but the thing about the heavyweight <laughs> division is, is that you don't have to be good. You got to be good at one thing, whether it's wrestling, whether it's striking and good takedown defense, whether it's conditioning, whether it's athleticism. If you've got one thing that you can focus on and do well, you could beat two thirds of this division. It's so bad. It's so low. Uh, and, and, and that's why a guy like Austin Lane is here. You look at his striking on tape. I mean, it is so bad. His striking reminds me of Virna Jandaroba's striking, you know? And that's not a compliment, okay? Virna Jandaroba's a phenomenal grappler. She is not a very good striker. She throws that same one-two every time. And that's all that Lane does. He just throws this one-two, one-two, one-two. You know, a guy like Tafa, who's a who's a skilled kickboxer, he's going to time that shit. He's going to get inside. He's going to find this guy's chin and knock him out in the first round. But I always say it's a big but. If he can't find Lane, you know, Lane's so much bigger, so much longer. This guy's a defensive lineman in the NFL. These guys are freak athletes. And Justin Taffa is not a freak athlete. So you always got to get, you know, you just got to keep in mind what you got here. You know, this could go tits up for Justin Taffa if he's not able to land that big shot early because a guy like Lane is going to be just much faster than him much much he's gonna have much better footwork he's gonna be you know just a way 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 better athlete so it's an interesting matchup i think Tafa's the better striker i don't think lane's a good enough wrestler to kind of like get you know to weather the early storm here so i see Tafa getting the first round knockout all right and uh now moving on to uh one of the ones we lost as uh wheezy said earlier but uh they kept cop on the card, I, I think, because they started feeling bad that they were canceling all his fights. So we we have Manel Cop at ninety three hundred taking on Felipe dos Santos at sixty nine hundred. The line on this fight 
we have another um, wide line here. Manel Cop minus 410. Felipe Dos Santos plus 320. And Manel Cop, you know, when he first when he first came out of Ryzen, the main thing I saw with him is that he was just really had trouble with wrestlers, really had trouble getting stuck on his back and sort of bleeding rounds away. And he would get back up and win some of those fights. But I did earmark it as like, oh, this could be a problem. He's done way better with that. Not only his takedown defense, but also threatening submissions off of the ground. We saw in his fight with David Dvorak, he was very active, almost submitted Dvorak in that first round. And he's such a good um, measure of distance and range. And Felipe Dos Santos is just sort of like a pocket boxer who's going to try and, and get inside and land his shots. And I, I think he's going to be, you know, swinging and missing a lot at Manel Cop. I think Manel Cop is, is going to measure his distance here and uh, and take this home pretty comprehensively. I don't know if it ends in a finish. I, the jury's still out on, on whether I think Manel Cop is a finisher or not because a lot of his finishes are very explosive, like flying knees and, and, and moments like that. I'm not sure if it's something that he can – build on or like if it's anything more than just ah, I got you there you go I mean he could do that against Felipe Dos Santos because I don't see much in Dos Santos here to be honest um but 9400 is uh, is a big price and uh you know the flyweights they move fast they uh they score a lot of points this could be a, a fight that uh has a lot of action in the first round and if it does it favors Manel Cop. so I'm picking him uh, might not have too much of the 9,400. I, I, I like some more fighters in the mid-range and a little bit lower, like uh, Mr. Chuck Buffalo and guys like that. So uh, the pick is cop and uh, maybe a little bit more of a stay away from me than maybe some others. Uh, Wheezy, what do you think? Yeah, I've got cop parlayed up uh, with uh, Ulberg on the money line here to get like a minus 130-ish uh, that I went for like two units. And uh, I also went when the cop line opened on bet online, his submission prop opened at plus 1600 while the KO and decision props opened at like plus 175 a piece or something like that. Mm So I, I jumped on the submission prop. I mean, this guy's got five wins by submission in his career. Um, He's a, he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. We almost saw him submit Dvorak, you know, he's the, and we, I remember even um, DC talking about it because he, he, went to AKA to work his wrestling and he was working AKA Thailand and also AKA in California too. And uh, DC was saying during a couple of his fights that like this guy's in the gym submitting everybody and that he's got really good jujitsu and really underrated jujitsu. So yeah, I mean, I think wherever this fight goes, this is a 22 year old kid, Felipe DeSantos taking this fight on short notice. He was supposed to be fighting on the contender series. His opponent pulled out. Just at the same time that Kai Kara France pulled out. So they, you know, and it was like I said earlier, you know, who's taking a fucking Manel cop fight in Australia on short notice? You, you know, you're no manager worth their salt is letting their fighter take that fight, you know, because you're gonna lose. And then you got to go all the way to Australia to do it. It's just you got so many cards stacked against you. When you need somebody to do that, you take some debutante that's just looking for the opportunity. They don't care that they're going to get their ass shaved. They're, now they got a contract. He's going to get two more fights. He'll get a much more winnable fight in his next deal. But this one, man, Manel Cop has had three straight fighters cancel on him. One of them on the day of the fight. 
He wants to put his fist through a wall. This guy's like a pit bull in a cage that's been starved for two days. I think he's going to murder this dude. Yeah, I agree. And I have a feeling that it's about to be unanimous. Joe, what do you think? Yeah, it is. I just want to point out, though, that Dos Santos, you know, watch this kid in the future, right? He's only 22 years old. He's 7-0. and He's a training partner of Charles Dubronx Oliveira. Um, he is training with a lot of guys. It's a shooter box, Diego Lima in Brazil. A lot of a lot of his training partners have fights, UFC fights booked on the card. So it would not surprise me. Now, what I would like to see happen here is is Cape get a quick finish. This kid not take a lot of damage, and then maybe get put on like a November card, you know, with one of the other guys um, from Chudo from his camp. Um, but you know. He looks good. He's he's seven and zero. I think this is like, this is a gimme fight for Cape. He needs a payday. Um, you know he's going to need to make quick work of this kid because you know he's he's lobbying for a title fight. So yeah, of course it's going to be unanimous here with Cape. But watch this guy when he fights back coming off a loss to Cape, and I'm going to look at seriously betting him. You know, big. Um, in his next fight, I just hope he doesn't take a lot of damage, and I want to see him maybe get on a get on a card coming up in November, December, because I think he could have some potential at 125. But yes, Cape all the way. All right, Cape all the way. Um, okay, so uh, it is. Is this? Oh, uh, is this the co-main event? It is. Okay, I'm I'm losing track because these are not uh, co-main event style fights. Nonetheless. It is Alex Volkov taking uh, 8,800 rather taking it on Ty Bam Bam Tuavasa at 7,400. The line on this fight: Volkov minus 250, Tuavasa plus 200. And I'll just open by saying I think that's too wide. Like, okay, Tuavasa got knocked out in his last two fights. That was Cyril Khan, the most technical striker in the UFC, and by the way, a game of war, and um, the most dangerous striker in the UFC. I think we can all agree now um, the way it's looking anyway. I don't think that diminishes uh, ta- uh, rather Tafa. I don't think that diminishes what is his name? I don't think that diminishes Tuivasa whatsoever. I knew I would get it. I don't think I, that diminishes him whatsoever really. I think he's going to be the same fighter who always comes forward and is always throwing big and I, I don't think that Volkov likes that. I'm not just talking about the Derek Lewis fight here. I, I also think that, um, you know, continually coming forward, Volkov needs that range. He needs to stick you at range. And Tai Tuavasa is not going to let that happen. Um, he's also extremely tough. As I say, I, I don't let that uh, that quick knockout loss in the last one uh, sway me too much. I think he's going to go ahead and give it a war. I know Volkov has looked good lately. I know he's getting back to uh, a few finishes here. But... Um, I'm not counting out to Avasa at all. I think getting in Volkov's face and throwing hands, if he can stick around long enough, he's going to make that pay off. And uh, plus 200 and the big dog uh, salary on uh, DraftKings, I'm going to go with it. So I'm going with to Avasa here. And uh, Joe, what is your take on the co-main event? Yeah, so I like Drago uh, a fair a fair bit here. I think he's more athletic. I think he's more technical. Um, I've always been a big fan of Volkov. The guy is a monster. He's six foot seven. Um, I, I think he'll handle Tuavasa pretty easily. Um, you know, look, his last two wins were good wins um, against uh, Rosenstruck and uh, 
who was the other guy he beat? Um, I know he's coming off two. Oh, Romanov. Yeah, yeah. and uh, first. Uh, that, that that was not a good win, but that's okay. Hurt, yeah, punches <laughs> from back right. control. But, you know, Rosenstruck, he, he boxed him up. Um, I would argue that Rosenstruck is probably a better pure boxer than uh, Tai Tuavasa. Um, but again, I like I like Drago here. I think, um, look, I'm not going to say the fight's not going to be entertaining. And I think the crowd will be going wild and he's going to have a lot of support. Um, you know, he came in, he barely made weight, which was kind of funny. Um, Tuavasa came right in at the limit, um, barely making weight here. Um, you know, I don't know what his cardio is going to look like if this fight gets into a second round. Um, but give me Drago here. And again, I like him a fair bit. I, I like the salary. I think he's what, um, what is he? 8.9. He is, uh, 8.8. 8.8. I like him at 8.8. Yes. Um, I would be using him, using him a fair amount. And then, I, and then you want to maybe strength, sprinkle some to Avasa in there, but I like Drago a fair bit here. All right. Wheezy, what do you got for the co-main? Yeah, I'm picking I'm picking Volkov to win the fight. He's the better distance manager. You know, he's much more defensively responsible. He's much more accurate. He throws more volume. He's got a 2.85 positive significant strike differential at distance, while it's negative 0.79 for Tuivasa. Better conditioning, better size, better length, you know, um, more experienced. And he's fought the slightly better brand of competition at the UFC level as well, but just just by a very small amount. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think Volkov might try to mix in the wrestling, but it's not very likely, you know. I, I But, you know, it's a heavyweight fight, you know, and Volkov's coming a long way from Russia to, um, to uh, Australia for this fight, fighting in front of a hostile crowd. You know, I think there are some reasons to like Tuivasa here. You know, his performance against Cyril Gan was better than Volkov's performance against Cyril Gan. I know that Tuivasa got knocked out, but I mean, Volkov had nothing for Gan. At least Tuivasa was was providing a little bit of danger. Uh, Gan was definitely respecting him, and he got dropped. As a matter of fact, so I think that this fight is the, the line is a little wide. But I mean, if I if you put a gun to my head and said I had to bet a money line here, I'd be on the Tuivasa plus money side. I don't hate Tuivasa as a DraftKings play, um, but you know, yeah, Volkov probably does get the job done because I just think he's the better fighter. All right, uh, Joe, did we go to you yet, or are we going to you? Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, all right. Good. Uh, good to know I'm on top of things, boys. Um, Okay, the main event is uh, Israel Adesanya, 9,700, taking on Sean Strickland at 6,500. Line on this fight is impossibly wide, as you would expect. It is minus 650 for Adesanya, plus 475 against Sean Strickland. And this is this might be um, a good fight for Adesanya. It might be the antidote for some of his more quote-unquote boring fights because Sean Strickland is going to try to pour volume on him and his defense. I don't know if you guys saw it. It's become a little bit of a meme circulating uh, the Dan Hardy uh, taking a look at Sean Strickland's kick defense where he goes like this and leaves his head wide open. And uh, Dan Hardy just kind of sighs. Um, that's the kind of defense that's not going to fly against an excellent kickboxer versus Adesanya. Um, John Strickland likes to pressure and pour on the volume. I think when he tries to pour on the volume here, he's going to get slipped and countered very hard. Um, 
could look a little something like that first Whitaker fight um, where Whitaker just kind of tried to come out guns blazing and uh, showed us that's not the style that you use uh, to fight Israel Adesanya. So, I, yeah, I don't think John Strickland will have anything. Uh, you can't say maybe he'll wrestle. He won't. He doesn't want to do it. He's not going to do it. Uh, most recently, I, I, I mean, I'm sure he's trolling a little bit, but went on record saying jujitsu is fake and he doesn't believe in it. So, um, uh, I, you know, I, Sean Strickland is a guy, if, if you get tired in front of him or you're not, you're not on your toes in front of him, he'll beat you. Otherwise, at a high level, I don't think he can pick Sean Strickland. Uh, so Israel Adesanya, yeah, but the line may be wide just because plus 500 is always looking a little wide, plus 450. But, like, again, the spirit is correct. Um, I think Adesanya probably probably does the deed here. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a knockout just because Strickland's going to come at him and, and Adesanya's going to have the answers. So I am taking Adesanya. And, Weezy, we'll go to you first for the main event. How do you see it? Yeah, I see it like you see it, Chris. You know, this is a, you know, just stylistically, pure on a pure stylistic uh, level, this is the, uh, an ideal opponent for Israel Adesanya. You know, he he wants his opponent to walk forward. It, Israel's a brilliant counter striker. So he wants somebody walking forward. He wants somebody throwing volume. And Sean has a, has a knack for not giving a fuck about whether or not, you know, this is the best path to victory. I mean, what he did against Alex Pereira was one of the all-time stupidest fight IQ performances that you could ever have. You get a guy that has no takedown defense and no jujitsu game, and you're out there, and, and a left hook that will send people to the land of wind and ghosts. And what do you do? You stand in front of them, you know, and, and, you, and you get your head spun around, you know, in the very first round, predictably. Um, it, and, and then, and then they, he's, he's got his phone in the car, like the week of the week after the fight. And he goes, man, I'd stand in front of him again. I, you know, he got lucky yeah. with that one. Like he didn't even learn anything from that. And that's a bad thing. You know, like usually when you get into a, a motorcycle accident that nearly costs you your career and your life, maybe you, you sell the motorcycle and you get yourself a Prius, not, not Strickland. You know, I mean, he got off. He's just still riding that bike around like a moron. Still like posting videos on Instagram of him like taking, but you know, bike jumps. Shit, he's gonna die, dude. He's gonna die young. <laughs> I mean, like he'll probably get his head lopped off by a low flying traffic copter one of these days. So, yeah, he's gonna give Israel exactly what he wants. I bet the over four point five rounds earlier in the week, looking at more of a data play. But stylistically, now I have the buyer's remorse, and I'll probably be hedging out of that play by playing um, Adesanya by knockout. Um, because, yeah, I think I think Sean's just going to walk on to something. I'm, I don't think he'll smart. He'll fight smart. I don't think he'll wrestle. Um, I don't think he'll be careful and about the volume and the pressure. So, yeah, I, I think that this is going to be an easy win for Israel. Yep, uh, and once again, I think. Not going to have much drama here. Joe, how do you see the main event? Um, Sean, true story. Sean Strickland nearly broke up with his girlfriend because theoretically she would not help him hide a body if he hit someone with his car. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, he was doing an interview like right after his weight cut and 
I think the Australian fans are actually going to be cheering for Strickland. I honestly think that that's going to happen. He said the politicians suck, but the fans are all long dicks. Now, I have no idea what that means. Like, I don't know if there's like, if, if I don't, maybe he was just being incoherent, but would there be, honestly, let's be real. Would there be anything better right now in the USC than having Sean Strickland as the middleweight champ? I, I mean, love it. Oh my God, his interviews, his TV. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you got to watch these these interviews with Nina because they got this great repartee going. I mean, it is, it, and not to mention, she's hotter than the barrel of Bob. You know, so I don't think that he's going to win here. I think he's going to give Izzy the type of fight that Izzy wins 99 times out of 100. But boy, would I love Strickland to catch him with something and just make Izzy go away. And I, I honestly think that he will get a lot of applause from from the fans in Australia. So I'm gonna pick Izzy, but I am but, but since I'm not gonna oddly enough have a lot of money riding on this, I'm probably gonna be cheering for Strickland. <laughs> yeah, I, I need to make a pick. I mean also DraftKings 9.5k or 9.6k. And that is that's pretty hefty. So you're gonna need to get 9.7k. Wow, you're yeah, gonna yeah. need to get some points here um out of him. Um so anyway, and you know, there's not going to be any takedowns. There's there's going to be very little control time, right? So like, where are you going to get your points from? Um, but yeah, I'm going to be rooting hard for Strickland. But like, legitimately, I have to I have to say that this is a perfect fight for Izzy. So I'll reluctantly pick Izzy, but I will be rooting hard for Sean Strickland, and it will make that 15 and a half hour flight to Vancouver on Monday morning so much better if Strickland wins. Yeah. All right. Uh... Hot take time, boys and girls. This is where we look over the card and we see something that is very juicy for uh, the betters out there that has, we think, a better than average shot of coming in. Um, does anybody, I'm going to open up the floor, anybody have a hot take they would like to bestow on to the audience? Yeah, be, again, because I haven't really done betting for this card, um, I may I may actually put down some bets at one of the uh, – local bookies here in Australia and Sydney, but um, I'm going to, my hot take is going to be in aggregate. Um, Australian slash New Zealand fighters are going to be sub 500 for the card. That's my hot take is that they're going to be right. sub 500. All right. I like it. I like it. A little off the beaten track. Uh, yeah. Weezy, I think I think you gave us your hot take early on, but you want to reiterate it for us? Yeah, I've got like three hot takes. The three oh, okay. lines Go that ahead. are plus 700 or better that you can just sprinkle for a little bit, a little bit of lunch money on them, and maybe one of them hits, you'll be up on the three plays. <laughs> Anton Turcali, the pleasure man, in round three with that bedroom cardio, that never quit, never say die, fuck until it's over. Anton Turcali, round three, plus 1,200 right now on several books. I, I hey, like Weezy, that. how smart would it be for, like, Trojan to, like, sponsor this guy? I think you it know, would like, be absolutely a winning it would play. Be, it would be unbelievable. Like, put some money in his pocket, you know, like, give Trojan a pop, no pun intended. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I, I think that there are a number of different people that are missing out on major uh, – um, what do you call it? Uh, advertising opportunities to have Anton, the pleasure man, Turkali, you know, yeah. pimping out their products. Yeah. I also like Gabriel Miranda by round one submission. Like I say, this guy's got 16 wins in his career. 13 of them are by first round submission. That's when both fighters are dry. 
that's when it's usually easiest to get that first takedown because they don't know what what kind of an entry you're coming with. And, uh, you know, that's when we see the majority of submissions, especially for Miranda. And then I also went with a small play on Manel Cop by submission. His decision prop is juiced to the tits. His KO prop is juiced to the tits. But the sub prop is priced just about right. So you got a lot of value there. And the guy's got five wins by submission in his career. And he's finished all but two of his 16 wins inside the distance. So if you figure this guy's going to win, and he's going to win inside the distance. The value play is Manel Cop by submission. Absolutely, yeah, I, I like all of those. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna look like a piker here in comparison. But we talked about win conditions before. Tai Tuivasa's win conditions are knockout. I think plus three hundred is more than enough of a price there to take a shot against Volkov, a guy who's going to be in his face, going to be throwing shots and is going to get that knockout if he wins. So plus 300 to Avasa, I like it. Uh, let's open it up to the crowd. Uh, I'll give you guys a couple of minutes. I don't see any in there now. Speak now or forever. Hold your peace. Hey, Chris, um, what, what, what's your yes, shirt sir. size? What's your shirt size? Uh, I think medium. Why is that, sir? I'll get you a large. No, well, if I'm not going to pay full price inside, but if we've got those hawkers outside the uh, – the arena, like selling UFC shirts, I'll 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 grab you one. I'll grab you a large. All right, all right. yeah, yeah. L- large, large may may be the play. I mean, I, I yeah. was being, you know, trying to be a little modest, but large. Yeah, large I'll grab you a play. large. Yeah. Okay. Like I said, I'm not going to pay the usurious prices that they charge inside, but they if they're selling them outside, right. I'll grab you a shirt. All right, uh, definitely appreciate it. And yeah. uh, it doesn't look like we have any hot takes from the audience, but. No worries there. We still appreciate you all watching and tuning in. Want to thank uh, Joe, as always. Want to thank Uncle Weezy for filling in on short notice. Great job today, man. Um, great takes, great great plays, great hot takes, especially everybody look out. Sprinkle in uh, your lunch money, your paper route money on those. See if they hit. And uh, as for us, we will be back next month with the next pay-per-view card. Check out all these guys uh, on their Twitter accounts, on their YouTube pages. Uh, you can check it out on uh, my page that uh, I put up on Rotowire. I'll link that as well. Has Uncle Weezy's information, has Joe's information. Otherwise, guys, thank you all so much. We are going to get out of here. Enjoy the fights and good luck. Real quick, real quick, uh, Chris, before oh, we sign off, yes. um, Weezy and, um, and Brady, DFS. By the numbers, right? That's Brady, right? Yep. Um, they put out the earliest content um, of anybody. And in order for them to do this, at the end of a card, I don't know about you guys, but at the end of a UFC card, like late Saturday night, early Sunday morning, the last thing I want to do is think about the next card. That's what these guys do to put content out on Sunday evening at 7 o'clock. So if you want early content, and also it takes – it takes a lot to be actually the first out there. You know, you don't have any input from anybody else. You're kind of setting the market. And that's what Brady and, and Wheezy have been doing for a long time. So like, you know, 7 p.m. on Sundays, get that early, listen to that early content. I will listen into them. I will listen to them Monday, um, you know, on my drive to work or, you know, at home. Um, but like that just takes so much. And I, I want to talk to you. After we go off live, Weezy, I want to know when you're on, when you're taking a fucking vacation, because the amount of content that you and Brady put out, I don't know how you guys do it. 
Yeah, it's a lot. It, it's a lot, Joe. And you know, and, and Saturday night after the card, because I keep my own database of UFC stats <laughs> that are all available on my Patreon. I mean, every I'm three weeks ahead with the matchup stats for every UFC fight. I have all the analytics and statistics. I mean, I should show you guys some of the shit that I have available to me here. So it's all available on my Patreon. You could check that out on patreon.com backslash Uncle Wheezy. Great stats and analytics for serious MMA betters there. And yeah, we bust our ass, man. Saturday night, I'm putting in stats from that night's card to update my database. And then starting with the research for Sunday's card. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's a labor of love. We love doing it. Awesome. All right. Absolutely. And definitely a good note there. Um, once again, thank you so much, everybody. Good luck on your bets, on your DFS plays, and uh, enjoy the card in general. And we will see yep. you next time. Yep. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.